Here's what's coming up on today's show. Sentimental items can be really tough. Like you have three kids, you know, there's only one of mom's wedding ring. What do you do about that? Right? That can be really, really hard. You know, and and, and what is the right substitute? Okay, so you got to be careful about that. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome back into Complete Estate Planning. Glad to have you on the show today. I am Ben George with Nick Rosenbauer over at the Rosenbauer Law Office in Westchester, Ohio. Got a good show for you today. Talking about how to handle those rare or expensive gifts. Nick, I know you've got a nice bourbon collection that grows, uh, I don't know by the week, but maybe monthly, hopefully. I think about that automatically, but there are a lot of things similar to that where they have a lot of value to us. They might actually have some resell value, but these things are a little bit harder. There's not a uh, kind of a, a playbook for these necessarily, right? You can't just print out a form online to handle a lot of this stuff. Well, exactly. Some of these, and look, everything, handling one thing is way different than handling the other. So I don't want to just say the generic, it depends. Um, but it is, a lot of these are significantly more, they require more thought and more what ifs than money in the bank, right? Because if yeah. there's $100 in the bank and it's 50-50, at the end of the day, just write two checks. Okay, right. so the end game on that is is really easy. And then also with money, and one of the things I think we'll get into today on where you can really kind of get tripped up is certain things can't be split up. I can split $100 right down the middle very easily. Mm -hmm. I cannot split up my mom's wedding ring among yeah. four kids. Okay, so some of these things will do. There is no perfect, fair equitable option. So we, we find out ways to, um, you know, what's the best case scenario or the trade-off or, you know, how can we square up in other ways, either with other items or other money. So, so yeah, this one's a little tougher to deal with. And I will say that the problem with my bourbon collection huh. growing is just because I'm such a lightweight and I don't know. I don't go looking for it a whole lot, um, yeah. but I probably have, like, actually, I had my uh, annual physical today at the doctor, and they were looking at my records from last year, and they said, oh, yeah, so it's last year you have no tobacco, no recreational drugs, and, like, three drinks a week, and I kind of laughed, and I said, I'd say one and a half uh, is all I really, <laughs> is all I really get to have uh, on average, but, um, um, although I'll say mine's not really expensive, because I opened my stuff. Yeah, because I tried. It's not something. And look, nothing against the people who hustle and, and trade and flip it and make money on it, you know. But for me, if I find something cool, I mean, I want to taste it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you know, I know the stuff. You can't sell it once it's opened. Uh, and all of my stuff, I uh, I try to open, try uh, try to enjoy. Um, so I would say it makes me really popular at our annual cookout. <laughs> like all the husbands, all the dads are. Hey, Nick, you know. 
What do you think about that? And Ben, I'm sure, and guys, for those of you who don't know, Ben's bourbon collection is a trophy case compared yeah. to mine. Like, I am I am small fish, you know, and he's a Hall of Famer, okay? So let's not get any, you know, so let's not get confused about that. But Ben, I'm sure you have the people come over and just, oh, wow, that's neat. And they're asking questions or can I see the bottle? And they're just waiting for you to you know, invite them, you know, ask them if they want to have some. They're not going to ask, but they're going to wait around for you to say, would you like some? You ever get that? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and it's, it's, I think I, I may have told the story, so I apologize if I have on the show before. Uh, you can skip ahead a, a couple minutes. You need to. Um, but I have a, a bottle of uh, Pappy 23 that I've had for a while. I don't drink yeah. it very often, you know, drank it on the wedding day, those sorts of things. Anyway, I had a buddy of mine come over who is um, – is with Clyde Mays. He's a good friend of mine. He's he's like their, he's a, the 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 grandson of, of the guy that the labels uh, who started the bourbon and his oh neat after. Mm-hmm. So he travels around a lot. He's like their ambassador and he's trying to become their master distiller eventually. I think. I'm oh, that's the job I want. It'd be a great. That job, sounds right? awesome. <laughs> he came over um, last year and he was in town, so he came over and I said, oh, let me let me pour you some of this because he's been a good friend and he's. Help me find some bottles that I've looked for before. And I was like, hey, let me pour a little bit of this for you. You never had it. Must be a Let's really good friend to offer that. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know if I have any good friends. You know, no, I don't it's have to be that somebody bourbon. there, right? At least the, the somebody you trust with your kids for your estate planning, right? It's got to be somebody like that deserves a pour. But anyway, he came over. So I, I passed it to him. I said, here you go. Just, you know, you can pour yourself a little bit. I walked out of the room and came back in. And he had this kind of look on his face. I, I looked down and the cork had broken off. No. It was stuck in the bottle. I was like, okay. You know, the bottle's almost done. It's three quarters of the way done. Still, maybe not quite that much. Anyway, I had some left. So I said, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to strain it out, pour it into a decanter, and put it up on the top of the bar. Yeah. Leave it there. So anytime that somebody comes over, first of all, it makes a good story, right? This guy, hopefully he becomes a master distiller one day, tore the cork off my Pappy 23. But now somebody comes over, I give them the option, I'll give them the option, hey, do you want this bottle? Show them a bottle that they might be interested in, or do you want to pour out of this decanter? And leave it up to them to kind of play the game. Oh, the mystery bottle. And and see what they pick. So that's that's kind of my situation now. So if you ever come over, (laughs) you'll know to pick the decanter. Oh, neat. Well... And and for those of you who don't know, when uh, we were uh, in uh, in Nashville for a legal conference last fall, and and Ben was there as well, and so we go out have dinner, you know, come back, and then he's like, "Hey, Nick, I got got something for you to try," and I brought some <laughs> bourbon uh, for him to try, and it was a, a new riff, you know, kind of like a limited edition thing, but went over and got it. And I thought I was, you know, kind of big and bad, and you can't get this, and you know, it's sold out. And then, and then Ben pulls out a couple of bottles that would, let's just say, you know, Ben in his trophy case, he uses, uh, you know, he uses my top shelf stuff, you know, like to, uh, you know, like his his Windex, right? When when wiping the when wiping the to windows. mix with my diet coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not the case. Not the case. I actually enjoyed that one a lot. It's great. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. But uh, I guess uh, so. Let's uh, let's talk about um, how Ben uh, will pass on uh, his trophy case uh, collection here, uh, <laughs> depending on which of the kids and or future grandkids, or if he's got some siblings that are really good at sucking up to him. There you go. So we'll we'll talk about how to do it. <laughs> well, as you, if we have questions that you want to discuss, anything that comes up, and you know. 
maybe you want a little more clarity or you want to start actually sitting down and putting your estate plan into place, start with CincinnatiEstatePlan.com or the phone number is 513-463-6789. Again, 513-463-6789. All right, Nick, when I think about these big collections, any item it is, right? And mm-hmm. you know, everybody's kind of got their own thing that they enjoy collecting. And there's going to be obviously a clear value on a lot of these things, right? That's monetary. There's going to be some things that are very collectible that they are maybe liquid that are able to be able to transfer to sold easily. But there's other things that <laughs> are just sentimental value, right? That like the wedding ring potentially could be, could have monetary value, but also has a lot of sentimental value or they could have both in many cases. So that I guess has got to be the starting point in terms of it's difficult because of that reason. Well, right. Cause you have two different values, sometimes a combination. Um, we'll start with monetary value because at least that I think is easier to conceptualize items of high monetary value can kind of skew the overall inheritance uh, percentage uh, to be unequal, right? Because if you know one of the kids picks the Rolex watch, you know, if there's three kids and everyone gets to pick one item, the first kid says, I'll take the Rolex. The second one says, I'll have the Babe Ruth signed baseball card. And the third kid's like, well, the only thing that's left is the toaster, right? <clears throat> okay, so that, that can cause real problems um, when you have something, you know, someone gets a $10,000 item, someone gets a $100,000 item, and then someone gets a $20 toaster from Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, so the those can skew the money side of things, um, or at least if it's all the money is the same, but equally divide up, you know, take turns taking household goods, personal effects, it can really skew someone getting a better haul, uh, I guess, than someone else. Um, yeah. You know, it just, the problem is you can't put a a number on that. I can appraise the watch if I really wanted to. I can appraise the baseball card. Heck, I can appraise the toaster. Yeah. But sentimental items can be really tough. Like, you have three kids, you know, there's only one of mom's wedding ring. What do you do about that, right? That can be really, really hard. And there's only one wedding ring. So there's no way to give all three of the daughters the wedding ring. You know, and, and, and what is the right substitute? Or you get the wedding ring and you get what? Right. You know, well, that's that's fine, but I wanted mom's wedding ring. Okay, so you got to be careful about that. And then sometimes you have things that are, their sentimental value and monetary value. You know, it can be, you know, it can be both. And I think a lot of times, at least around, at least now, kind of with this generation, um, you'll have things... Maybe that like were your parents, but maybe they received them from their parents uh, yeah. or, or something like that. And then, um, like I know my wife's family, um, when her grandparents passed away, um, you know, they grew up, and and her grand her grandfather, you know, was in the army during World War II, and you know, I I never met her grandfather. I met her grandmother, but her grandfather had passed away before, and they're going through all of the stuff and. You know, there's all these antique memorabilia from the 1940s, you know, his military uniforms and, 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 and you know, and all these really neat things. And I'm, you know, my, my heritage is German. I'm a history buff. So you have things that it's like, holy cow, this is really, really sentimentally valuable because for the family, it's like my dad or my grandfather, you know, from, you know, from when he was in the army. But also, 
you know, some of them have monetary value. So if you say all these things mean a lot, but one thing means a lot and isn't worth anything on eBay, but another thing means a lot. And if you put it on eBay, you get 5,000 bucks for it. Yeah. So now what? Right. So you have to be careful about that. Uh, and I guess, you know, both values need to at least be considered. Okay. When you're thinking about this, at least consider things that are worth money and things that are sentimentally worth something and possibly both. Okay. Talking about how you can handle those rare or expensive gifts you're passing along. Um, I know with a lot of these, you know, you have somebody in mind for them. They, because they mean a lot to you as you're collecting them or amassing them, that you already kind of uh, have somebody that you think or maybe even promised them to, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times you'll have this where this promise is made verbally, but it's never put in writing. Okay, that is a nightmare. Someone passes away. There's nothing in the will or there's no will or nothing in the trust, right? And then one of the grandkids says, you know, well, grandma and grandpa always said I could have the car. Okay, yeah. now what? Um, that's not good. Um, so first off, you know, hopefully you have the arrangements made for it. So if you're promising something to someone, make sure you have your ducks in a row in writing, depending on what it is and what your plan is. Don't just say something verbally and then don't update or don't put it in your plan. That's a that's just asking for fighting. Also to keep in mind, even if you do it, do you think it would cause arguments, you know, disputes, family drama? You know, something to keep in mind about that. Or and and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but do you care? You know, there could be something yeah. where, you know, my brother and sister, maybe there's something of mine that they find meaning of which I don't know what it would be, but I want it to go to my kids. And I still want it to go to my kids, even if my brother, sister, my dad, you know, whomever would have liked to have have it. So, so sometimes it's like, yeah, it may make people roll their eyes, but that's still what I want, despite the fact that, that may happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, maybe you promised something to someone 10 years ago. Do you still, is that still what you want? Um, I have a lot of people... You know, and Ben's kind of in the same boat as me. Our kids are little. So, you know, what kind of conversation do you have with a four-year-old about the importance of something that you got from your grandparents, you know, from when they traveled to Jerusalem 25 years ago? That means nothing to a Mm -hmm. four-year-old. So right now, you know, why would I ever have a conversation with my son about how I want him to get that? But 30 years from now... That may absolutely change. So, you know, what if I promise that to my brother right now? Because that would make sense. But then 30 years ago, I want to give it to my son. So obviously, is that still what you want? Um, And here's another one, Ben. Do you still have it? You know, I've had people where they write something in the will. You know, my 1996 Toyota Corolla goes to my nephew. And it's like, we sold that car 15 years ago. (laughs) So now what? Is it just, is that gift kind of null and void? Or do you want to say, you know, my next car? Or do you want to substitute something for that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense? Because, you know, sometimes you say, well, it was just for that car. That car's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, but some people, it's like, well, I wanted to give my nephew my car. All right. Well, let's future proof that and rewrite things to where whatever car you have it's taken care of. Okay. But again, things change. If you don't have it, does that mean the gift goes away or do you want to still give them a gift? You just got to find something else. Okay. And you can see how 
we can have some gnashing of teeth and yeah. you know you, you can see where this can go at the kitchen table with all the sibling with all the kids and grandkids after someone passes away if this is not buttoned up yeah no question and as we continue kind of going down those things you got to be thinking about and, and ways that you sort through this, you know, some of these things might have value to more than one person. Multiple people might find it to be very important to them, correct? Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, the wedding ring, I think, is a perfect example here to come back to. How many people actually want this item? Uh, will it cause fights or disputes with your family after you're gone? And then if you get, I guess you could say, lucky. You know, what if it's only important to one person? You know, let's say it's like an antique uh, race car, right? And you have three kids. One of them is a car junkie and, you know, works on the cars and turns wrenches with you. The other two could care less about cars. So you think, oh, I'll just give my race car to the one kid who cares about it. Easy. What if it's a $50,000 car? The kids don't care that they don't get the car, but do they feel ripped off? Yeah. Uh, Although I guess... Now in 2023, $50,000 is like a used Honda Civic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so maybe they won't care. Maybe by that time, it'll just be a tank of gas, for goodness sake. But, you know, is it something where, you know, you say, wow, this is only something that one person wants. Life's easy. But if they get it, does that skew things for other people? Another thing, if you get super lucky, are there multiple pieces Okay, like a watch collection or Ben's bourbon collection. Hmm. Okay, what if he says, I'm going to give this bottle to this kid, this bottle to this kid, you know, or they each get five bottles from his private vault, you know, something like that. So, so if you have that, this is where collections are awesome because everyone can get one of them or two of them. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, I only have one wedding ring. Okay, that's a problem. So, you know, and I guess the, the flip side of it um, is what if no one cares? And, and Ben, this is really disheartening, okay, to a lot of my clients, but there's a lot of stuff that's important to you that your kids don't care about. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really sad. People almost feel disappointed because they say, look at this, it's neat, it's history, it's from my family, you know, or it's something I'm passionate about. It means a lot to me. And the kids don't care at all. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, But some people say, well, if I'm gone, if they don't care about it, shrug your shoulders, whatever. Um, So then the question behind that becomes, does it matter to you what is done with it if the kids don't care? Yeah. And I've had some people say, none of the kids care, but I don't want it going to a yard sale or going to the trash. So maybe there's someone outside the family or you say, oh, I have a nephew who's a big, uh, you know, who's a big bourbon uh, guru. My kids don't care, but I know he will appreciate it. So I want it to go outside of the family to him. Okay. So that's just another thing to keep in mind because, and sometimes I don't know if it really matters, but that's a way to lessen the heartache, if you will, Hmm. of, yeah, wow, this was really important to me and my kids don't care. So something, something to keep in mind there, there's options there. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's a harsh reality, you know, for my clients, you know, when I ask them, have you talked to any of the kids? Yeah, none of them want it. They don't appreciate hmm. it. And you just see them kind of sink in yeah. the chair. Yeah, I stink. It's, just, it's not a fun feeling. And I and I think, too, when, when that happens, too, there's a pretty good chance they probably don't know the value or know the, even the significance of it. And like, like, you know, continue to use the bourbon collection example here, not to sound like alcoholics or anything, but, you know, it's like, 
okay, if if I might have a 20 bottles of my attic or my closet and they just see them as, oh, they're just, you know, empty bottles. They're just bottles of bourbon. Let's just sell them for 50 bucks a piece and be done with it. Right. And not knowing that true value of, hey, this one bottle can't be found. It's, it's 30, 25 years old. You can't find anymore. And there's obviously a lot of different uh, things that you know, jewelry is obviously very clear, but there's so many other things that just you don't know the value of unless you are in that niche market that, that mm-hmm. these are sold in. Exactly right. So regardless, and I'm not saying, you know, I've had some people who write up, you know, full appraisals of everything and put it all in a binder for the family. I'm not saying you have to do that, but if there's an item where it is, it is possible that people may have no idea that it's worth something. Um, you just, just make sure that the collect collector's item is not just donated to Goodwill or sold for five bucks uh, at the estate sale. Okay, so I know watches are a big thing with this. Obviously, if it says Rolex, you know, hey, if it's a real Rolex, that's that's worth a lot of money. But there's some other watch brands out there that are really, really expensive, um, even more expensive than Rolex, and and you would never know. I forgot who it was. I think I had a. Uh, I think I was talking to someone. Is it like Patek Philippe? I don't know. Are you a watch guy? Yeah, at all, that ben? sounds familiar. I'm not a. I'm not a watch guy, but I know I've heard some of the names. That sounds. Or you know, I I, I had uh, someone who I was talking to, and he said, "Yeah, his dad's a big watch guy, and just bought this like forty thousand dollar limited edition, like you know, Hublot Big Bang." And I looked it up, and the thing looks wild. It looks huge. Like it looks heavy. Like. I feel like it would hurt my shoulder. But yeah, apparently you could look at a watch and think it's junk and it's worth $40,000. Yeah. Don't throw it in a yard sale, right? So make sure, if nothing else, leave instructions to say, hey, don't throw this away. There's value here. Um, if if it's you know even better, and I've had a lot of clients, they leave instructions to say these items, call this person, call this company, call this auction house to right. appraise, evaluate, and help you sell. Because another thing, Ben, apart from just knowing that this is worth something, if it's a niche area, don't put it in the yard sale, okay? There's probably not a lot of people walking around looking for $30,000 watches. They're out there, but not at the yard sale, mm-hmm. okay? So so, so make sure, if nothing else, you have instructions there, or at least talk to the family. Ben, this is kind of weird. You're going to roll your eyes. Hmm. All my clients, all my listeners under age 50 are going to roll their eyes. But I have a thing for fountain pens. Yeah, really. I've heard that before. It's not not too crazy. Yeah. Super old school, like bottle fill. Uh, I have bottles of ink. I don't even use the cartridges. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and again, do I have $1,000 pens? Of course not. No. But they're not $5 pieces of junk. Okay. No one cares, but it's, you know, I, I can think of two people to even call that could look at it and say, this is worth something. This is not, this could be re, you know, and find a seller for it. So just make sure there's something there. So people know, know where to go, I guess. All right. What about those items then that, uh, you, you have to kind of restrict who can own it. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess bourbon probably falls in that can't go to your underage children but what about like firearms or something like that yeah no that's a that's a good one so ben's trophy case bourbon collection (laughs) cannot go to his kids they're not old enough but i am old so that's true they could all come to me i Um, say that on the podcast though that makes it does that make it binding uh, it's verbal but it is recorded well you can you can do a you can make a verbal trust 
I don't know what the laws are in your state, and they're really on shaky ground to start with. It's better to do it in writing. What I don't know is I think you got to be careful about transferring alcohol across state lines. Yeah. That's I don't know. the. De- it's not sale, though. you got to die first before I can have it. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so alcohol. Can't give it to little kids. Uh, firearms are kind of the other big one. You know, what if you have an old hunting rifle or your great-grandfather's you know, a military sidearm from World War II, and you want it to go to your grandson, he's 10, okay? Can't do that yet, so you have to be really careful about either who is legally authorized to own it or some sort of uh, an inheritance plan. A trust is a great way to do this to where the money can be held by someone else until they hit age 18 or 21 uh, or whatever it may be. Um, so, so be careful if you have something like that, make sure you're talking to your attorney about that specifically. So the attorney can walk through what you can do, what you can't do. Every state is different. Um, also there could be restrictions on sales. So be careful about, you know, putting the guns and the bourbon collection in the estate sale. Um, there may be like, I I don't know if you're allowed to sell alcohol without a license. Right. Yeah, so I, right. I think you can do it with guns uh, in most things if you're not considered a dealer, but alcohol you can't sell legally. Uh, so be careful about all of that. And again, I know these are specialty things here, but for people who do have to deal with it, this is something you need to have that conversation with now with your attorney while you're alive versus a total disaster after you're gone and the arrangements haven't been made. Right. All right, well, let's let's kind of wrap up the conversation then, Nick, by talking through some of the options that people have then. If, they've, if they have a nice collection of something or they have some expensive gifts, rare gifts, that they are trying to consider passing along, what are some of their options? Well, the, the cleanest way to do it, although not always something that you have the opportunity to do, is gift during your lifetime. While you're still alive, give the, the neat antiques to your son. Okay? Now, you... Typically, this isn't something you do in your 30s or 40s because the kids are young and grandkids don't exist yet. But I've had plenty of clients who are older and they have grandkids, usually with grandkids uh, for the most part, um, but kids as well. And they say, you know, I'm a guitar player. None of my children play, but I have a grandson who's picked it up. Am I allowed to give him my old guitar that I don't use anymore? I know he would like it. Yeah, do it while you're alive. That's clean. That's great to do. And you don't have to worry about it. And it's not up to the family. And then not to get all wishy-washy and sentimental, but you get to watch them enjoy it. You know, you get to watch your grandson play guitar or play piano. Or, you know, if, if Ben wants to make lifetime gifts to me, you know, and to send his bourbon collection to me, I will say thank you, you know, while you're still alive. Um, <laughs> so, we so can even enjoy to, some together, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's meant for sharing. That's what it's for. So that's, and again, not everyone can do that. Like, I can't do that right now. My kids are too young. I don't have grandkids, anything like that. I wouldn't even know what would be important to them. But for my older clients, our older listeners, if you're comfortable with it, that's a good move. Regardless, have a discussion with the family about your wishes. Um, Preferably something in writing on top of it. No surprises. Um, if you, if the most important thing is to make sure everyone does what you want and they're okay with it, talk to them while you're alive. Say, look, after I'm gone, I understand there's three daughters. I'm going to give my ring to the oldest one. And so that way they don't feel like they're at each other's throats. They can ask you questions. And more importantly, Ben, you can say, here's why I made that decision. It, it 
cuts down on the family drama. Having it in writing to back up something you said is great. And any special instructions or like a like a specialty item, it's always better to leave too much information versus not enough as far as value, wishes, special instructions, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for items that are not specifically itemized, private family auction, that's a great way to do it. Or have people just take turns. I've done both. I've had families where they say, well, there's some expensive things, some cheap things. What's the most fair way? Well, just have a private family auction. Highest bidder among the children gets it. And the money goes back into the pot or into the estate. Mm -hmm. So no one is getting financially ripped off, although that will skew the sentimental items. Right. The other thing I've done, and it's almost like fantasy because I guess we're getting into football season here. Do a draft. Everyone takes turns selecting items like a fantasy football draft. That makes the sentimental thing match up because everyone gets equal opportunity to select items. But that's where you run into, I took the $10,000 Rolex, you took the $10 toaster. Hmm. Okay, so something to be aware of as well. One item, one way to kind of split the difference on that is high value items have to be bought or purchased at auction or credited but the plates don't. Like, why get a why get an appraisal on the used Tupperware? Okay, that's I mean, right? It's okay. We're gonna take fifty cents out of my estate inheritance, so I so I can take the Tupperware. Yeah. But the ten thousand dollar Rolex, yeah, that should be. You know, that's a different thing. That's something to be aware of. Um, so that's one that's one way to do it. Um, and another thing you could do. You could have like a public auction, like these estate sales, okay, where anyone can come get it. And obviously the family's welcome to bid on it. If you're going to do the auction route, I typically recommend private family auction first. So the family has first dibs, and then whatever the family doesn't buy, then you have a secondary one Okay. Uh, after that, okay? Because what you don't want to do is your grandparents' World War II memorabilia go to some random you know, yard sale hustler when all the family wanted it and were willing to pay an adequate price for it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's I think that's a bad way to do it. I've seen a lot of families, they'll work out amongst themselves who's willing to pay for what, and then the rest of it, put it out to the public. Gotcha. All right. Well, good. This was a fun conversation, kind of going through some of these different scenarios. And I know it's a good chance you probably have something that has uh, some value, both monetarily, but also sentimental that you want to pass on to make sure it's in good hands. So again, the best way to do that is to sit down with an estate planning attorney because they can walk you through all this and make sure you're making the best decision for you and your family and whatever your goals are. So again, if you want to start with Nick and, and learn more about what he can do, just go to CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule a call with Nick right there. Click the button on the front. And Nick, just for anybody that comes in first time, just kind of what do they need to know? What do they need to be prepared for? Okay, so if you're, it's a great question. So if you're coming in and you want to sit down with me, I like to start off, and you probably saw the schedule, introductory introductory call, 10 minutes, introduce myself, answer any kind of basic questions, and then we say, all right, we're going to send out a packet of information, schedule an appointment, have you both, uh, you know, if you're married, both of you, if you're single, obviously just yourself, come on in. I'll ask you for some basic information, and half the meeting is me asking some questions. The other half of the meeting is you asking for some questions, and then eventually we say, okay, what are our options here? What do we need? 
Um, and I think just as importantly, what do we don't need? And then what could I say? Eh, I could make the argument for this. I think it would be helpful, but it's not mission critical. Okay? My goal by the end of that first meeting is for you to feel like you understand enough to make an informed decision on what's best for you and your family. It's all a learning experience. I learn about your family, your concerns, and then you learn about your options. And then I think it's the best way. We're almost kind of making the decision together. All right, very good. CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. Again, phone number 513-463-6789. All right, Nick, we will close it out on that note. Always a pleasure talking with you. Have a pour this weekend for me. We'll do it again soon. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.